1: Well, hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Unseminary Podcast. I've been looking forward to this podcast for a while. In fact, we had a little bit of a problem the first time we tried to record it, but I'm excited to have Pastor Lee Eklav with us on the line today. Lee's a fantastic leader who I know you're going to want to learn from today. So I'm asking you to lean in, uh, to listen carefully, and uh, I'm hoping all of us will be challenged today as we think about really more deeply about how we lead and love within our churches. Lee, uh, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, why don't we start with kind of you telling us a little bit of the Lee story, give us a sense of your background, the church you're serving at, that sort of thing.
2: You bet. I grew up in a rural church in South Dakota, so that's a st- interesting place to start. And then I, mm-hmm. after uh, school, I eventually pastored, I was an associate pastor, and then I was a pastor of a church in um, western Pennsylvania, in Beaver Falls, near Pittsburgh was there 14 years and uh it was a good good ministry, good experience and then I my wife and I moved here to Lincolnshire, Illinois, uh, in the northern suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh come February 1st we will mark 22 years here. So we've been here a long That's while. Amazing. And our intention then is on that date to uh step down. So mm-hmm. the uh The end of this phase of ministry is in sight. Our church here is the Village Church of Lincolnshire is a wonderful congregation, not particularly large, about uh, 200, but very uh, fluid. Uh, I estimate that in my years, we've had over a thousand people come and go because it's just a very transient area, students and Mm -hmm. corporate and all that. So it's been a fascinating place to minister. We're near a major seminary, Trinity Divinity School, so I have scholars. I have people who know nothing of the Bible, uh, new believers. You know, it's really been a vigorous,
1: invigorating place to work. Hmm, very cool. Well, one of the things that you know caught my attention with really the reason why I'm excited to have you on the show is uh, earlier this year you released a book called "Feels Like Home: How Rediscovering the Church as Family Changes Everything." And what I'm hoping to do today is to give people a little bit of a peek into that book uh, and um, you know really get a sense of it. But and, and that you'll challenge us a little bit to think differently. A part of what I love you wrote in kind of the the write up for this book, uh, which I which for me caused me a little bit of a uh lean in and want to learn was you talked about how the role our role as a pastors is to be one of a homemaker not as a ceo and i think a lot of us feel that tension between you know how do we uh lead our churches as a family uh versus leading them as kind of an organization so give us a sense of why you wrote this book and kind of its core uh the core conviction behind that let's jump in there i think it uh it
2: crystallized, the idea crystallized in my head in a time of uh, organizational um, crisis is a bit too strong a word, but uh, it, uh, unsettledness in our church mm-hmm. and in my own heart. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I sense, Rich, just from a little I've read of your stuff and everything, that you're really gifted at, um, at the, sort of the mission side of the church. And I always found that to be difficult. I f- Frankly, you know, I found the the mission, however we describe it, whether it's strictly evangelistic or in broader in some way about reach, I always found that rather not, not motivating. Uh, and mm. I, I puzzled over what's going on. Is, is this a spiritual problem? What I realized was that the way God wired me as a pastor was to look at the church much more in terms of its environment Mm-hmm. And when I thought, well, then what's that? Then it was very clear. It was very easy. Well, the environment of a church should be a home. It's a household. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a military base where we come back and get rearmed and and go out again. I mean, that's there's some element of that, but the Bible's own description of the church is the household of God, and that's not a metaphor. You know, body is a metaphor, and and uh, bride is a metaphor, but. We are God's family. We are God's sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. Those are the things we are. So then that gave me some space to think, uh, how would you do church if that's mm. how mm-hmm. leaders think. Leaders will always naturally think organizationally. I mean, you're going to sit mm-hmm. and, I was in a board meeting last night for hours, and you know <laughs> you're thinking organizationally, how are we going to do this? Who's going to do that? We've got to get structure, Which is all understandable. But at the heart of a church is the relationships we have with Jesus and with one another, mm-hmm. even before we look at outreach. The, you know, the Bible's picture is that the healthy home, the church home, becomes gains a kind of gravitational pull to mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't solid in, inside, there are many ways to attract people, but they're not Really healthy ways. They're not, uh, they're corporate ways rather than organic. So that's kind of a Framework for what I've been thinking.
1: Yeah, that's why don't we kind of start with that a little bit. Give flesh out um, what could be maybe a negative way if we're if we're more corporate oriented versus a more family approach. Kind of a, kind of a negative attractional pull that a, the church might have, um, and then maybe contrast that with well, what would that look like from a family point of view? How should we be thinking about well, it? Well,
2: it's easy to do church for the individual. You know, you're appealing to the individual. Uh, does uh, mm. so you see it in worship. there's been this um, I get it there's this movement that you know to make worship more and more reflective of the music that people see and hear around us. well, I don't have any problem with the, that, but when in that we move to a an appearance or an environment that is uh, sort of isolating to the individual, something is lost. It's not all lost. But for example, this is my obvious, my bias, but if I'm in a service and it's so dark, I really can't see anyone or it's so loud, I can't hear anyone. I don't think that's really enhancing the sense that we are here together. We belong together. And Likewise, if uh, and it's much harder for larger churches than smaller, but if we are um, sort of senseless about the importance of people's names of, you know, the intimacy, the uh, how do we pray for people? You know, not just big things. Mm -hmm. uh, Those things, it it sort of breaks down the family and it makes it more Mm -hmm. organizational. And God works, frankly, in those things. I mean, there's churches that aren't very homey that where God is working. But the picture we have in the, in the Bible is of a relational uh, center. You know, that the, the n- number one command is love one another. Well, if we don't even know each other's names, you can't legitimately say we're loving one another. Uh, so mm. in a smaller church like ours, it's easier because you know there's, there's not so many people to absorb. The place isn't so crowded. You're not just coping with so much stuff. But in any case, that's still what, big or little, whether there's 50 or 5,000, it's still the household of God, and we ought to think and act like that.
1: Yeah, and you, you mentioned there even just this idea of names. Um, I'd love to kind of focus in on that. How uh i think we can sometimes struggle in a growing church uh to to just even know people <laughs> and something as simple and basic as names how how have you kind of taken on the mantle like even in a in a church of a few hundred people that can be difficult frankly it's not you know you can get up over uh 50 people and it's hard to kind of remember everybody's names how are you doing that how what are you doing to encourage people uh to you know remember each other's names use each other's names yeah, that's really of is
2: hard it, well, it Um, one thing we do, a lot of churches do something like this is, uh, you know, we pass a pad where people sign up, just tell us who you are. I get where some people don't want to, you know, some churches don't want to do that, but that's a way we see names. Now, the reality is you might not want to sign that, you know, that's fine, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. a way. Uh, you know, some people, have other churches have different things. Somehow, somebody has got to learn that guy's name who just walked in and sat around you, you know. Yes. And uh, on our staff, which is small, you know, we will sometimes say, anybody see that couple, you know, sitting back in them, you know, such and such a place by so-and-so? Anybody get their names? Yeah, I think it was this, or their children were in Sunday school. I got their name. So we, we really work at it, and we, I write down names. I try to memorize them. Um, it, when I meet people you know, I'm working at, uh, you know, memory tricks like, Oh, this is the guy who was in the army, or this is the guy who went to school at such and such place. So we just flat out work at it and talk about it, um, pass these names mm-hmm. around. But you're, you're right. When our church in Pennsylvania, I left there when it was about 650. So it wasn't a mega church, but I mm-hmm. I, I couldn't retain mm-hmm. names any longer at that size, so there is a place, but I don't have to know them all, but somebody's got to know them. Mm-hmm. And so we right, have exactly. to find ways to segment yeah. that somehow.
1: Yeah, I know at Liquid Church, a uh, church I served at for years, we did, um, and you know, we were... Three or 4,000 people by the time I left there, we were doing name tags still on Sunday mornings as people came in. And, you know, it's funny. People would look at us and be like, why are you still doing this? This seems crazy. And and it was, you know, frankly, it was, a, it was two things. It was a great discipline to try to slow people down on a Sunday morning as they came in, and we had a group of volunteers that were like, hey, we'd love to write your, you know, write love to write a name tag out for you. Um, and it, it it helped. And not everybody, in the same way that the pad, some people avoided those folks that, you know, it's easy to dodge somebody in the lobby. Uh but it was, I I know as a pastor, I so valued that because, you know, you'd be surprised how many people, a, per, a high percentage of people will actually stop and get their name uh, written out. And, and even if it, it helps me, oh yeah, right, that's right, that's Bob and, and his wife, Linda, and that's uh, great to know them. Uh, you know, I remember this little thing about them, uh, you know, super, you know, important yeah, even uh, piece of the puzzle. You know, Rich, even if they're now, not love- putting one on,
2: the fact that other people have signals, names matter, so that yes folks standing yes. next to me in church you know i can say oh hi i'm lee i uh, what's your name you know it just tells you it tells everybody we care about names here
1: yes yeah absolutely it's important yeah absolutely yeah and i used to, i used to love when we would uh you know when we would serve communion it was always so nice we would sometimes do communion in a, in a kind of a Yes. You know, everyone come to the front sort of way. And I loved being able to use people's names as we were you know distributing the elements. It just it, oh, it personalized that experience that you know so at a significant sweet, level. it oh, um, and changes it, right?
2: In fact, yeah, I it changes you know Rich, it. one yeah. thing I did. It's oh, not sorry, just a mass go production. Ahead. One no no things, go ahead. I appreciated no, go ahead. that particular experience so much. I thought it was so beautiful that I actually gave it to elders so that they would have that experience. You know, I thought, this is so cool when you mm. name somebody, you know, mm-hmm. Rich, this is the mm-hmm. body of Christ broken for you. And I thought, others mm. need to oh, do that. This. this is precious. And, uh, you know, you don't remember every name, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, when you, a part of what I appreciate about your book is you're really pushing us to think about, um, you know, tactics or approaches that are, uh, really more as parents than as leaders. What would be, you know, another one or two kind of, uh, tactics or approaches that we should be thinking about, you know, thinking more from a parental point of view than, than like you say, the CEO. Well,
2: point of view? Uh, uh, take an elder board, for example, or, or a ruling board or the staff or whatever you've got, um. This means that you know Paul said in First Thessalonians that he was like a nursing mother to them and and like a father. So you have this sense of nurture, and the father's role is sort of the strong. Uh, you know, you know, we say things like, "I'll tell you something." My father always said, "Right." I mean, we, he's the he's the one that kind of gives mm. us a, sort of our moral social grounding, right, and. I think elders have to and other staff we have to remember that's what we do here. We have stuff to organize, we have to run stuff. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's got to be time to stop and call somebody or interact with them in the hall or mm-hmm. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. So, part of our job, part of our tactic is we will pri- we'll prioritize personal touch. And my own sense is God leads. You can have organizational ways to do that, but often it's just um, it's what I call the impulse. It's like I, I think of somebody, I think, man, yeah, I haven't seen that guy for a while. Bam, I send him a note or give him a call. Mm-hmm. Um, organizationally, this year, one thing we did was our elders each month took three more names from our list of everybody at church and wrote them handwritten personal notes. At first, they found that sort of intimidating. Yeah, like, What am I going to say, you know? But, but we all did it, mm-hmm. and uh, three isn't too much. Mm-hmm. But we got such great feedback, you know. They people loved that. Mm. They wouldn't, they couldn't believe that somebody would write them a note and just spiritually encourage them. And for the elders, it was a test. Mm. Like now, who you know, who is this? Mm. Um, who's Martin? Who's Jane? You know, I can't quite remember these people, and we could. It helped us. Um, Another one other thing we did was just recently, uh, we met together, uh, instead of our regular meeting, we had a separate time to pray together and stuff. And we just took the directory. In our case, you know, like I said, there's, I suppose there's maybe 300 people counting children in our directory. You know, so I don't know how many families, Mm -hmm. maybe 150 or 200 families. And uh, we just kind of looked through every page. Mm -hmm. Didn't take that long. And we'd comment about this one. Where's that one? Or, you know, what's this problem? Or, you know, here's the big deal in their life right now. Um, and, boy, that was great. It it just reminded us this is what we're doing. We're taking care of these people. And uh, we have to, you know, mm-hmm. find ways to pray for them, to know their names, uh, to connect. In larger churches, uh, you're the expert at this, but I suppose you have to go more toward a small group or something like that. I I always think of that rural church I grew up in, and I think a big church has to have little rural churches all over inside of it, you know, to find Mm, structures mm. where you can take care of people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I love that idea of, you know, actioning, even just, you know, writing a note, I think is so critically important. I know one of the things we've done over the years is we we have like a weekly kind of check-in process where... We're asking our staff to check in. And one of the questions that we ask our our pastoral staff every week is, you know, who is someone in the church that you think might uh, need an extra, you know, outreach this week? You know, you notice something happening in their life. There's some sort of pain in their life. There's something, you heard something that you're reaching out to them this week. And, you know, you'd be amazed. And we're just asking literally for one. It's not like, who's 10? It's like, what's one? You'd be amazed uh, how in a, you know, fairly large church... When you, when you have a number of people that every week are being asked that question and then actioning on that or actually taking steps out to connect with people, man, that can make a huge right. difference, uh, you know, over the time. And, and, and you're right. There is that. Um, it can be intimidating at the beginning, but it's like, hey, this is what we're in this for, people. We're hoping to see uh, folks get connected uh, to Christ and to his community. You know, Rich, uh, I call yeah, I that the that. that. inefficient
2: fantastic. imperative. Right. <laughs> yes that's good. yeah i think tell us more about that pastoring you know we're always trying to be more efficient at things you know can we meet with three people instead of one mm-hmm. can we you know can i delegate something that's part of the deal or we'd go under and the bigger a church mm-hmm. the more complex that becomes you know just finding the room the night the chairman the you know whatnot um But then there is this side of the ministry. You know, it's kind of typified by Jesus leaving the 99 to go after the one. Uh, But there's this side of, I you know, I got to take care of the one. I don't always get to take care of people in herds, you know, in flocks. And uh, (laughs) uh, it's just, (laughs) it always sort of feels inefficient. I never, you know, this is my dirty little Mm -hmm. secret. I never feel like going to a hospital. Uh, you know, I, I just don't, but when I go (laughs) to a hospital or when I spend time with the one, I all, I always come back thinking now that was pastoring. That's why I do this. You know, that is the most, that's even more fulfilling, even though it's not my favorite thing to do. It's the most fulfilling thing that I can think of. And even over preaching, which is the great love of my life. I mean, it's. To do you know, I people say to me, because I'm a writer, they say, you, you you must love to write. And I say, No, I love to have written.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Right. As a writer, I can identify. And in with the same that. sense, Absolutely. I like yes. to have
2: pastored. Yes. I, and and I think I think pastoral staff guys, you know, in a big church where they're trying to manage so much stuff and remember so many things and hold all this stuff together, to be given the mandate, not mm-hmm. just permission. We expect you to step away from that, even as busy as you are, and touch individuals to do the inefficient imperative. The whole Slow church down. will get that somehow. You know, I don't know if the word spreads or if it's just the Holy Spirit, but a church that's well cared for mm-hmm. grows healthy. They they start caring for each other better. There is just a, a healthier sense of this is a family
1: uh, If we than if we don't do that. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch okay. a bit of a hot button issue with you. <laughs> metrics. What are some metrics that we should be thinking about uh, when we're thinking about this whole feels like home concept? How should we be thinking about uh, and kind of operating <laughs> on uh, metrics? Well,
2: as you know from what I've told you, that's just one of my least favorite words. Um, well, it's because okay, why is that? Why is if that? you think of the church as a family? like your, your own home or whatever, it's hard to think of numbers that are very important. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm trying hard here to meet you somewhere on
1: metrics. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that's fine. I totally get that. What, what would you say to a leader who's like, ah, I don't know, like, can't we measure all this stuff? Like at the end of the day, we, we're trying to associate numbers with, um, if I can, you know, there's a little bit of, if I can't measure it or are we really making a difference, that sort of thing. What would your pushback well, be against a leader? I, like I think that? it's
2: okay to, to know numbers like, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I do a report at the end of the year for our church and we had this many baptisms or, you know, whatever. But. Uh, and to you know, say uh, to measure, say, how are we doing with small groups? How many people are in and because it tells you how many aren't, right? And it gives you a direction to go. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm not saying you never count anything, but the the danger is in thinking the measure of a church is if the numbers grow. and that is a right. really lousy way to measure a church's health. Uh, w- number one, there's no real uh, argument for it in the bible. I mean, we have we have reference to numbers at the very beginning in Acts and at the very end in Revelation where you can't count. And otherwise we have nothing. We have no idea how many were in Ephesus or wherever. Sure. Um also it it uh it de- deters us or or distracts us from the the a key thing in scripture in the New Testament particularly in their letters, you know, is the holiness of these people. Well, it's very difficult, if not impossible, mm-hmm. to quantify growth and holiness. Uh, or to put you put it in another place, look at the Jesus walking among the seven churches in the beginning of Revelation. The things he is looking at, you just can't be quantified anyway. You know, whether it's the danger of error or, or uh, you know, the need to persevere under pressure. Those are the things that leaders should be looking at. If they're looking at numbers, what numbers are telling you is how you have to adapt. You know, if you're growing, how do you adapt to that? Because now we've hit a different kind of stage of how the church is going to work. If we've got 500 where we used to have 100, you know, or whatever. Uh, So those things tell us things, but they aren't measures of success. I, I say that for pastors, you know, Rich, you have had the experience of working in a big church. So many of us have never done that. And we're kind of like Moses up on Mount Nebo looking into the promised land, you know, going like, Wow, I'll never see that, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the that's where God's working. <laughs> but it's sure. not true. It's not sure. true. God works that way sometimes. No that pastor that's picked true. up, planted in another place. It would it's not like it's always Something you can duplicate. And uh but the real measure of a church mm-hmm. is do these people love one another? Is it obvious that God is really among mm-hmm. them? You know, that remember that phrase where the, the visitors come into the church and they're kind of dumbstruck by the prophecy and the tongues and all this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and they're they're not there going, Love the music. You know, they're going, <laughs> they're not doing that. <laughs> right. They're not saying got that. Great they're, coffee going, here. they're falling on their faces <laughs> and going, God is really among you. Well, that's the measure was God yes. among
1: us? <laughs> yep. And it's pretty yep. hard to quantify that. Absolutely. Well, I've I uh, really appreciate Lee. I, I love your leadership. Love your heart. Uh, so your book feels like home. How rediscovering the church as family changes everything. Uh, where can they? Where can people pick up copies of this book? Oh, well, if, thanks. If it's they'd like to it's grab published by Moody
2: Publishers, so it's a that's a major publisher. It's available anywhere. You know, as they say, anywhere where fine Christian mm-hmm. books are sold, which is even Amazon <laughs> and uh, that or an ebook. <laughs> yes. You know, um, <laughs> nice. So it's easy to track down uh, and uh, feels like home. And my name is the only name. I got the, I'm the only guy in the whole world with my name. So it's, it's pretty easy to sort that out too. Nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And if people want to track with you or with your church, how can they do that? Where should we kind of send them? Yeah. Well, uh, our, you know, on the internet. For
2: me, uh, I have a website that's almost reloaded. We've taken it down for a while where we fix it, but mine is just my name, leeeklove.com. And the, uh, our church, where mm-hmm. you can get a little glimpse of how we function is, e as in electronic vcl village church of lincolnshire evcl.org
1: okay very cool else you want to share very cool up- and anything else you want to share I'm just before honored this. we wrap you know, up today's episode i
2: love working if i love working with pastors not necessarily as a consultant but just as a kind of an old Old friend, you know I'm a old guy, and uh, so the my ministry mm-hmm. really comes out of the realm of encouragement and wisdom. So I, any anybody is welcome to mm-hmm. give me a, send me an email and chat, or give me a call. I love that kind of ministry, and as I step out of full time pastoring, that'll be my sphere is working with pastoring.
1: Nice. I would encourage people that are listening in to do that, to reach out to Lee and there may be, you know, something today that Lee said that really resonated with you and I encourage you to obviously pick up copies of his books, but, but also, uh, you know, reach out and, and, uh, you know, connect with him. Lee, we've really appreciated you being on the show today. Thank you so much for being here.